Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. It's episode 55, sitting in my living room. Mr. Greg Proops. I should probably do the uh, the the websites. You know them. JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. My excitement, obviously, palpable. I've skipped the, the credits. Patrick Brady fixes the audio. Vilmos does the website. Mike Rickberg just sang the song you heard. He'll sing again at the end. Greg Proops, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jackie. Yay! Yay! All I'm right. excited to be here, too. It's exciting. You know, I have to tell you, uh, before we talk about your dorkdoms, which are intense and, and all... and per- you're in the safest space in the world. Uh, uh, when I first saw you, I first saw you do stand-up comedy when I moved here. And the first joke that resonated that said, I'm going to love this guy because I love the stand-up comedy. I don't know if you remember a joke you used to do about men wearing white pants. It was like a throwaway line of yours. Yeah. Men should wear white pants under two circumstances. One, if they're selling <laughs> ice cream and two, never. Right. <laughs> I enjoyed that <laughs> a great you. deal. Anyway, so uh, you're a great comic and uh, you're all over uh, the television and the movies and whatever, but uh, we're not here to talk about it. We're here to talk about uh, baseball or the Romans. Or both, I say. You had me. It was awesome. I asked you to be on the program. We were at Flappers Comedy Club, and we were sitting in a booth, and you said, I can talk about baseball. And then I was cornered in the booth, and I was like, yes, get him in the living room. Let's do this. Uh, let's get him into Van, Van Nuys. What, um, what, it's, it's old-timey. It's ba- current baseball, but it's also old-timey baseball. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I follow current baseball, but where's the fun in that? Uh, for your listeners. <laughs> for one thing, a lot of people are going baseball. Well, that's it for me. I'll come back on episode 56. And I'm glad you know the count of how many. That is dorky. Mm. I- I've done a podcast for six months and I have no idea how many episodes I've done. Oh, I have 213 that are not pre-recorded. Holy kittens. And then I have, uh, this is 55 of the pre-recorded. Uh, the earlier ones, the audio quality is, uh, well, let's say it's dodgy. It's Questionable. Little, yeah, yeah, it's a little mixed. Ropey. Yeah, it's a little, it's a conference call is what it was. Yeah. Okay. Right. So yeah. it sounds like you're broadcasting from a radio station and Mexico in the 70s. It was like, uh, I believe it was reviewed as, it sounds like a telephone being held up to AM radio. <laughs> so, sound young America. Very funny. Which is always fun. Uh, <laughs> for me, the, the excitement of baseball is uh, all the players and, uh, and, the, and their the, drama. the drama. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I mean, you, you asked me, oh, is it all about numbers? And it's like, no, not for me. I like the numbers and I read the numbers and everything, but I'm not one of these uh, numbers cats who comes up with new statistics and stuff like that. Um, Wait, like, are there people coming up with new statistics? All the time. There's uh, OPS and there's WHO and there's WHIP uh, for pitchers and all these other acronyms? measurements. Yeah, there are mm-hmm. uh, acronyms for different kinds of measurements of success in baseball, right? Okay. I mean, the simple fact of baseball is, and it, people go, well, the game's hardly changed in 150 years since it started. Other than uh, AstroTurf, polyester, night games, oh. Negroes. Other than that, it's changed <laughs> quite a lot. Uh, right. So in the beginning, it was a daytime game because there was no electricity. Exactly. And uh, and uh, and there was uh, obviously white teams, and then uh, there was pickup games, no doubt, among the Italians or the Irish or the, sure. the blacks or whatever was happening. And so, what? I mean, in the beginning, who who started it? What, well, that's what a very good it? question. <laughs> a, a lot of people say, you know, there's a myth about Alexander Cartwright, right? I, because he. Um, uh, or rather Abner Doubleday, who who was a, an officer and he was at Fort Sumter when the first shot was fired in the Civil War. Oh. So there's always a connection to the Civil War with everything. Uh, <laughs> and they say he invented the game and blah, 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 blah. And there's even etchings from the 19th century and engravings of that very first game. Uh, 
But it's not true. What happened was uh, a guy named Alexander Joy Cartwright uh, kind of codified the rules. It was sort of a Manhattan game based on an English game name called Rounders, which girls play in England. So uh, when I moved to England, people were like, oh, you like Rounders, do you, for your favorite sport? Uh, and it's the same as so baseball. I thought it was based on cricket. Uh, people always it's think it's vaguely based. like cricket. Because there's a bat. Right. There's a, Cricket has a bat, an umpire, and runs in innings. But okay. other than that, it's nothing like cricket. And because Rounders has what? Bases. And that's oh, the it, difference. Uh-huh. Cricket doesn't have bases, right? If you've ever watched cricket, they run from one post to the other, back and forth, down up. And they play in an yeah, oval, they're, right? They're doing suicides, right? Essentially, yeah. they're just running back and forth to the same two sticks. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. And wicket, they last for the days. wickets. Are they wickets? And then, yeah, when they okay. when the things they're batting in front of are wickets, and there's a, the 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 catcher in cricket is a wicket keeper. Okay. And then the guy who throws in cricket, not the pitcher, a bowler. A bowler, and, and they what's can a run. Sticky wicket. They can run. Uh, well, a sticky wicket is just an old time English expression meaning something's you know tricky. Right, right. A tricky but situation. Doesn't have anything. It, it, it means because you're supposed to knock the two top wickets off. Oh. And if a sticky one, don't fall. Uh-huh. <laughs> Done. Yeah. All right. So um, bowlers could run, and that was the difference. And in early American baseball, the rules weren't set yet. You could throw the ball at people to get them out, as opposed to getting it to the base, uh, guy playing the idea. base. And that was called in those days soaking, right? <laughs> so, all that 19th century slang, right? Right, you right. soak each other with the ball, right? And you could also swing at the ball a million times, foul it off. There was no, those didn't count. You could also call for high and low pitches. Uh, it's like you'd get up to bat and you go, I want it high. And the guy had to throw it high. They also couldn't throw overhand. Really? Yeah. And, the, and like cricket, there was a box uh, about 10, 15 feet long, and they would run up and throw that ball like that underhand. Right. Uh, and that's why in baseball, even though pitchers have pitched from a mound for over 100 years, they call it the box. Okay. Where pitchers stand is called the box. Because it's all it used to be a box. Because it was a box a million years ago. And so they, you could throw the ball... And wait, so there were no strikes. There were strikes uh, and there were walks, but it took like nine balls. The, the number kept changing, right? Okay. So about the turn of the century. It was like everybody got tired of waiting for you to hit the ball. Pretty much. And no one wore gloves, right? And the balls were giant. Oh. They were about the size of a softball. Okay. Right? And so and, uh, leather in those days and handmade, right? Okay. Hand-stitched yeah. stuff. So they got mushy. They got lumpy. Mm-hmm. So you're usually your best player played shortstop in the 19th century mm-hmm. because they handled the bulk of the Balls. Of the hitting. And the first baseman was usually a big Irish guy because he had to be able to catch that ball with no glove. Right. And get guys out and right. stuff. Um, and then the original players were mostly uh, middle class. They, uh, uh, they were clerks and people who worked on Wall Street. So after Wall Street closed at three in those days, you, you right. might be old enough to remember when banks closed at three. I do. I do. I and think. They, yes. And the young people and they weren't like, open. they did. And yeah. they, you couldn't, the weekend came and you Saturday, were done. Not on Saturday. If you didn't <laughs> right. get your money out by three o'clock on Friday. Yeah. So sad, too bad you weren't doing anything yeah. unless you had someone who could lend you 20 bucks. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> so. So that's how, that's how it kind of started. And then Cartwright wrote the rules and the rules are that the ones that have stayed three up, three down. Nine okay. innings. Okay. Team last. And those are the only first ones that, up, last bat, right? And that's the only thing that's still really going. And the distance between the bases, which somehow is still magic. Uh, they started playing it professionally in the 1830s. Uh, and now what are we a million years later after yeah. that? And the bases are still the same distance apart and people are still out by like that much at first. Wow. So I don't know what, even though humans are faster, you know, people are right, better right. athletes, da, 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 da. Then the mound kept moving the box, right? First it was 45 feet, then they moved it to 50. Uh, then it, at 50 feet, they started allowing people throw the ball overhand and a okay. guy named Amos um, Rusi, famous Amos Rusi. Famous uh, he was from Indiana and his nickname was a 19th century nickname, the Hoosier Thunderbolt. 
Sweet. Right? Like you'd be the Armenian Flash or whatever in the, in the 19th <laughs> right, century. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're from Michigan, is it? Uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. You'd yeah. be like, you know, the, the cheese and butter girl or whatever. Right. You know, the, these elaborate nicknames. Right. like the longest thing in the world where you're just like, how about if you just call me Bud? Right. Nobody no. was Bud in those days. <laughs> My favorite 19th century nickname is a guy who's a great fielder. Death to flying things was his nickname. Oh my God. Yes. Death to flying things because he could chase balls down. Wow. And then a guy who was real sassy was named Arlie Latham. He had a great nickname, the freshest man on earth. <laughs> when fresh meant, you know, sassy. Right, right. Yeah. Sassy. He was, and there were, I'm sure there were many, many ball players who were gay. Yeah, I bet and, there were. And, and, uh, and, and excited about, uh, the game. Here's a good one for you. A, a good looking pitcher from the 19th century named Tony Mullane, because he was so good looking and girls used to come to the game to see him. The Adonis of the box. The Adonis of the box. <laughs> you know what? That'll get us some dates in the 21st century. Well, people grow their characters. Carriages up, right? So you sat in a carriage. There were little stands, maybe, but carriages all around the outfield, right? No fences necessarily. Oh, okay. So people were sitting in uh, in horse-drawn conveyances all around, gambling everywhere in the stands, betting on each pitch, betting on each batter. Right, right. Guys were working the stands, and in those days they sold uh, sarsaparilla, consommé, um, fucking Saratoga fries, which are early French fries. They oh, would deep fry them and take them into the stands. Okay, sarsaparilla is like a sarsaparilla early, soda, soda pop. pop. Yeah. But what's the other one? Consommé. Consomme is like uh, in the winter, and because it you know cold. Oh, it's soup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there you go. That's yeah. I, I like, like bouillon. You know. You know how I got there? No. Uh, Chinese soup is congee. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. I went congee. Oh yeah, consomme. Got exactly. back. And I'm back. So the, the the so the snacks were different. Right. Um. And everybody's just sitting in their carriage to get in their ho- horses, and they can get hit by right. a ball. And ladies with hats and parasols, sure, right? Sure. Chasing the guys, just like now. Right. Uh. And the uh, um. Could, the the players wore those gothic letters and whatnot, and like oh, they, right, that's right. where the knickers started, right? The first great team was the Cincinnati Redlegs of 1869. They were the first team to all have professionals. They traveled the country, and they won every game for a year and a half. Oh, wow. They never lost, and they wore knickers, right? Okay. The, with the red socks. It was yep. considered pretty hot in those days. Right. Riding a carriage to the ballpark, and they sang their team song when they got to the field. So on the way to the park, fans would line the streets and throw shit at the ball players the whole right. way. And their superstitions were fantastic in those days. If you saw a cross-eyed person, that was good luck. If Ooh. you found a hairpin, like women, you yeah. know, use lots of hairpins then, that was good luck. If you saw a wagon go by with barrels, that was good luck. So sometimes managers, John McGraw of the Giants famously would hire barrel wagons to ride by the carriage oh. on the way to the, where the, so that he, he could psych up his teeth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and they would, who have, owned the teams? The, uh, ugly, icky, white robber baron types, just <laughs> like now. Oh, really? Just like now. Just like now, the same yeah. guys that own no people. No women, no black people. It was all rich guys. And it was rich guys who played the game. No, some of them did. Some of them Middle were players that became... Yeah, uh, well, in the beginning. And then when it went pro, then uh, the immigrants saw their opportunity. So in the 19th century, it's largely Irish guys and then Germans. Okay. Right? So all the famous players from the 19th century are named uh, Mike King Kelly oh. and uh, Hannes Wagner, Heine. <laughs> nice. Uh, or the Dutchmen, as they called them, because Germans were called Dutch then, right? Oh, right. Because no, they're it, Deutsch. Oh, because of the Deutsch, Deutsch. thing, and, and Americans have no clue. Right, exactly. Right. So, uh, fantastic. So, but, but, so when did it go pro, though? I mean, because it was just pickup games well, forever, the 1870s, right? uh, then, then they started having leagues, and then they had a bunch of leagues, and then by the 20th century, it settled down to the two leagues we have now. And did it, uh, did it have, um, did it go college first and then pro? Oh, there was always college. And there was, and then in the, what happened was during the Civil War, 
um, there were so many Confederate prisoners and, right. and so many Union prisoners kept in Confederate camps, the Union prisoners started playing ball. Because all you needed was a stick and a, and a rudimentary ball. No right. one wore gloves then. Right. And the Southerners started to watch them and picked it up. And that's how baseball spread across the country, mostly. Oh. It was a New York-Boston kind of game. And then after the Civil War, everybody played it. because. Every- it whiled away the hours while you were in prison, and it right, took an right. hour and a half to play in those days. And not everybody was at Andersonville dying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. some people got more than a spoonful of meal to eat a day. Exactly, and they were like, well, there's some extra energy, let's, uh, you know. Here's one that you'll like for your dork forest. Yeah. There were so many wounded after the Civil War that the, every town in the country had people without legs and arms, right? Okay. Just like now, after sure. Iraq and Afghanistan. Sure. The guys with one arm were called snorkies. And the guys with one leg were called hoppers, right? This is okay. 19th century right, slang. Right, a right, snorky, right. I guess, because they're an elephant? I oh, don't know. Oh, I get it. Weird. Uh, sort of. I yeah, never yeah. really understood it. And there was actual teams, and you see pictures of them. One-armed guys versus one-legged guys. The snorkies versus the hoppers and stuff like that. Just veteran games, where it's yeah. just like, all right, it's everybody everybody with yeah. the same thing against everybody else with a different thing. And so I black wonder- people weren't, were allowed to play in those days and actually played pro ball. Jackie Robinson isn't the first professional black ball player or American athlete. Blacks were allowed to be jockeys in the 19th century. Uh, horseback uh, riding jockeys? Uh-huh. Okay. And, and uh, the only professional sports in America then were boxing, horse racing, and baseball, right? Everything else was college, like okay. basketball, football, the rest hockey, everything else, lacrosse, da-da-da. And um, uh, there was a black guy named Welbury, uh, excuse me, Moses Fleetwood Walker, which is an amazing name. That's an amazing name. Yeah, and his Moses brother was Weld A. Wilberforce Walker. <laughs> and they both played on the, I think, the 1884 Toledos. And then uh, the people started to get hip to like, hey, how come we're letting these black guys play? Now, mind you, this is after. They're going to ruin everything. Right. That's the, what black people do. Yeah. They, they come it, and they do it better than us. Yeah. They show us up <laughs> and they're smart. And then because because uh, Moses was an intellectual and he was very bitter about th- being thrown out of the big leagues. And he he kind of didn't dig it and wrote about it and was vocal about it. And then a bunch of guys played in the minor leagues too. And then they finally were able to put the hammer down and just like kind of an unofficial nobody who's not white. Now, somehow Indians were able to play and they're famously, yeah, three or there were many famous native American players. Supposedly the Cleveland Indians have started because they had a player in the 1890s about the turn of the century named Louis Sock Alexis. Uh, who I think was a Penobscot, an East Coast Indian. Wow. And, uh, they had a chant for him and everything, which went suck it to him, suck Alexis, right? And <laughs> nice. so the team was called the Blues then or the Broncos, I think. And theoretically, the, the re, they say they named it after him, but okay. they didn't really call them the Indians for a long time after that. Then there was, uh, the Giants had a couple famous Indians, uh, Chief Myers, uh, um, or one. And then the Athletics had one named Chief Bender. Everyone who was an Indian was a chief. Was a chief. That's, there were um, also deaf players. Oh, really? Famously, Demi Taylor and Demi Hoy. Right now, Demi Hoy pitched for the Giants. Demi Taylor was an outfielder, and it's because of deaf players that the umpires hold their arm up, right hand for a strike, left hand for a ball in little league and all that. Oh. And when you see the bigs, they still go like this. Boom. Yeah. They hold their hand out, strike, and they yeah, yeah. Put, sometimes put the count up. Especially and that's right in, hand for strike right. and left hand for, for nuts. When you watch ball. everything but pro ball, you see them with their hands up with the numbers even on them, right? They'll okay. go two and one, two yeah. and one. And that was because deaf players. Oh. And they couldn't hear the call. They right. never called it before that. they just go strike one. Right. And then, <laughs> then they'd be like, what just happened? What just, what, what, uh, no, yeah. that was a. 
So that was a ball. Okay. The Giants team that had Demi Hoy on it all learned to speak uh, sign, sign language, language, and they would uh, flamboozle the other team with their. Oh, that's how they the would, calls. They would, they would sign to each other. Yeah. Was did the um? I wonder if the catcher, you know, that whole throw a fastball business with the one two three. Well, business? the signs were always there, but I think that moved it along and made yeah, them yeah. more complex. And were they both pitchers, the dummy guys? No, one was an outfielder and one was uh, a pitcher. Hoy pitched for the Giants, uh, and I think he pitched in the World Series. Uh, Luther. Demi Hoy and yes. uh, Demi, right? Charming. Deaf guys yeah. are Demi. Yeah, and yeah. we were talking the other night. Yeah. There's a few crazy guys and a few alcoholics. Right, right. And they were always n- noodles or bugs. Right, because they were noodles or bugs. <laughs> yeah, they, they were, were bugs. Noodles. Right, those guys are bugs. <laughs> it's like being pixelated in yeah. uh, in the uh, in the in the Gary Cooper right, movie. Right, right. In Mr. Yeah. Deeds. Yeah, Mr. He's Deeds. pixelated. <laughs> He's pixelated. Right, people are adult-pated. Adult-pated bugs. So guys, the one I was telling you about the other day that's such an interesting one is a, a pitcher from the turn of the century named... Rube Waddell. I mean, oh, excuse me. Um, kittens, I'm getting the, uh, my Rube's, uh, <laughs> Your Rube's oh, it's Rube Waddell. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a black pitcher named Rube Foster and he started the Negro leagues on his own after he realized he wasn't going to get to play in the big leagues. Right. And he was such a great strat, strat, uh, strategist, strategist and, uh, possibly a marketer. Yes. And, and a tactician. Uh, right. that he was brought in by big league teams to teach, uh, People to pitch. They oh. used plays he ran. Okay. Uh, he eventually like formed this giant league. Coaching. Yeah. And his motto for the Negro Leagues is, we are the ship, all else the ocean. Oh. So there were many famous players who played for him. Some of the managers in the white leagues wanted to get black guys in. But right. they didn't want to break the rule, but they wanted to sneak them in. So they'd say they were an Indian. And they'd be, this is chief so-and-so. Right. And then what would ruin it was... All the black people would come to the game and sit down front. And oh. then, and then everybody knew, knew that they were they like, there was a black guy. Oh. So when John McGraw, who managed the Giants for 32 years and won like 10 pennants and a couple, three world series, when he died in his drawer in his new, in Manhattan townhouse, he lived in with his wife, a list of all the black players he wanted to. Oh, really? For the 30 years he managed that he could never have. He could never have. Yep. He's like, look at this dream team. That yep. would have, these guys would have been awesome. Yep. And no women. No women, obviously, uh, right? Women was- played, and women played, but not uh, professionally like they do now. Uh, but they played, and the, and you see lots of 19th century women's teams. Okay. And then famously, they'd let occasionally uh, women come out and pitch to the big leaguers for exhibitions and stuff like oh, okay. that. Oh, like, like it was the some hottest sort of girl show? pitcher from a town would come right. on. Like Babe Ruth famously was struck out by a girl in the 30s whose name escapes me, but right, I'm sure right. one of your listeners in the dork forest. And it'll be in the notes, people. Exactly. There you go. Uh, and so... Yeah, that's the thing. Women didn't get to play like big time till the war when they started that. All the American, League of Their Own exactly. kind of thing. I, that's a great the movie. One, Dottie actually. just passed away last year. Oh, that's the right. The woman that Gina Davis played. Yeah, it's you know that movie holds up actually quite honestly. Oh. It's a marvelous film. I mean, you know, they had to fictionalize stuff, but all those players are real players. There was all the way Faye, and there was uh, uh, Dottie, and Dottie was a superb player. Yeah, and there was one big league male ball player whose mom played professional ball before him, and he's the only one. And it's Casey Candelli. His mother played in the All American Girls. Now in the movie, the league ends like that, right? But it went on for nine, eight, eight, nine years. Went on to the fifties. Oh, it went on to fifty three, fifty four. Okay, wow. They didn't let them wear pants, right? And they didn't let them. 
didn't wear pads. Was... And so you see pictures of these girls bruised from their Just knee scraped up to their hip. Yeah. Oh. They wanted them to wear skirts to be feminine. Right, right. But they played hardball. They did not play with softballs. Right. And there's no reason for them to. And hardball makes more sense for yeah. women just because of the size of their hands yeah. and stuff. Well, my yeah. argument always is women should play in major league professional ball. I mean, I said it on my podcast. I said the problem with baseball is it moves too slow. Uh, 20 years ago, I said to a, a, a vice president of the Giants, I was at spring training and I happened yeah. to be in the press box because cool. I garb glommed a credential. <laughs> And they had some Japanese guys down there. Well, 20 years ago, there was no Japanese guys playing in the bigs. And they had some Japanese guys down there who'd been sent over from Japan. They were playing with a farm club. And I said, they're going to be Japanese guys in the bigs. And he went, no, never. And I said, really? What? That's what everybody said about black people during World War II. He <laughs> got so fucking mad at me, man. I didn't think he was going to speak to me. Weird. Because he thought that you were uh, calling him a racist? Cause he yeah, was. I, yeah. I was. Yeah, and you were. <laughs> and then and then it came a uh, 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 awesomely, uh, here in Los Angeles, um, Hideo Nomo, who's their first great Japanese pitcher who played here. Dodgers or? Yeah, he played on the or, Dodgers okay. and he, and he was a star in Japan. And they, when they got him, he's about five, six years into his career and he came here and he was a great big leaguer. Yeah. And then now, of course, uh, Ikiro Suzuki plays for the Mariners and he'll probably go in the Hall of Fame. Oh, really? He'll probably be the first Japanese guy to go. And they're, Loads of Koreans now, people from all over the world. There's even a couple of Australians kicking around. Uh, there's famously a few Europeans. Right. Um, and the Cubans, of course. Millions of Cubans. Millions of Cubans. And Cubans yeah. had to, after Castro and the revolution, right. they had to defect to play. So there was a paucity of Cubans for the, like the Giants had some famous Cubans or many teams had famous Cubans. And, um, in the sixties. And oh, they or? got to play before black guys too, if they were white looking. Oh, if they could. If they had Spanish through. blood, yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, they're just Spanish then. Yep. That is. Because there's Armando Marsans. There's a, a, a pitcher whose name will come to me later. Right. Who pitched for 25 years in the bigs. Cuban is the. Day is long. Yes. That looked <laughs> right. white. And, uh, and, and enjoyed a cafe con leche. Exactly. Uh, nice work is being done with, uh, Cuban food. Anyway, I don't know why that's something. But yeah, so you, so it's all the stories that, I mean, I like the, I like the stories from the, from the early days, obviously. And then Babe Ruth, you told me a story about Babe Ruth that, uh, that was fascinating. Well, Babe Ruth. He was a mess, right? Yeah. Like people talk about, you know, you think about, uh, athletes from the ghetto. Uh, that made it big, like, I don't know, Allen Iverson, you know, recently in the NBA in the last 10 years. Okay. He's a hoodie from a hoodie family and he made it big and then it kind of crashed and burned, da, 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 da. And we hear about it all the time in sport. Right. Um, uh, Jack Dempsey, a famous, you know, Muhammad Ali, people Boxers. from a poor background. They right. They had someone help them, then da, 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 da. Yeah. Babe Ruth grew up in Baltimore. His parents ran a tavern and, they had no time to raise him. So by six, he was on the streets, smoking, That's drinking, right. throwing rocks at policemen, right. uh, throwing rocks at, stealing ice off wagons, milk off wagons, right? right. Because he was born in the 1890s. Uh, by the time of seven, he was considered incorrigible. Seven. Yeah. Incorrigible. So they slapped him in what we would call a juvenile or a prison now, but then it was called St. Mary's Industrial Home for Boys, <laughs> where the incorrigible children of the Baltimore area were corralled and had sure. giant nuns and giant priests whacking them all the time to right. put them on the straight and narrow. Right. So he learned the th the skill you learned in the school, in his case, was uh, sewing. 
So he was oh. a tremendous seamster his whole life. He could fix his uniform if he needed to. That's right. Because he could sew like a, the very devil. And because he was lefty, they would whack you, whack you, whack you. In those days, you dipped your pen in an inkwell and you had to write. So all left-handers smudged when they wrote. Right. So his penmanship, when you see Baber's signature, and you do see it in on balls and in right, things, right. is beautiful and absolutely legible. It says <laughs> Babe Ruth in beautiful very 19th century calligraphy. Yeah. Because he was beaten within an inch of himself <laughs> yep. to get it to together and uh, nobody wants to not be able to read your handwriting so he was clapped in this prison well eventually the, he was left-handed and that's very valuable as a ball player because most players are right-handed so left-handers have an advantage because they're they hit right-handed pitching better okay so does it mean and they that, get to first faster okay so left-handed pitchers have oh. an advantage over right-handed batters because the, the curveball oh, breaks the other way on them. Oh, right. And so it's a, it, the angle is better for hitting it. Yeah. Okay. So it's awesome to be a left-hander in baseball. And that's why so many great players, Barry Bonds, Ted Williams, uh, Mickey Mantle was a switch hitter. So he hit from both left and right. Oh, wow. Um, uh, Ty Cobbs. Ty Cobb was left-handed. I, There's so singular. many that are left. Yeah. Stan Musial because Hank Aaron. Henry Aaron was right-handed, and so was Willie Mays, my favorite okay. player. Uh, they were just outstanding. I mean, right. there's a lot of outstanding right-handed. Right, right. It was just, just how many? That how many? What percentage of the population is left-handed? Ten percent. Mm, I'm going to go ten percent, just like gay people. Like that I around there. That, it might left, be less, but and left-handed people all gay. Yeah. Weird if you've right. ever played, exactly. If you didn't know that, <laughs> if you've ever played tennis and you're and you're right-handed against a left-handed person, it's yeah. murder. Yeah, because left-handers return to your backhand always. Right, the right. The ball's going the wrong way all the time when a left-handed. But isn't plays that true of them too? Like, don't they have to hit the? Don't, don't right-handed players playing against? Isn't the left-handed person having to do a backhand all the time as well? If their backhand is weak. But like, did you see the Nadal match that they just played at Wimbledon? Nadal is. Uh, as Cormac McCarthy, the writer, would say, yes. either handed as a spider. <laughs> uh, so he's ambidextrous, but line. he plays right-handed. He's a right-hander who plays like a left-hander. Oh, wow. So when he hits the ball from either side, he has mad authority, which wow. gives him an insane advantage on the tennis court. Um, wow. So Ruth was in this prison, and a giant uh, priest named Brother Matthias, who was like six foot five and lumpy, they always show a picture of him in his giant cassock, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, organized the ball club. Well, George, because that's Ruth's name, and all the players never called him Babe. The okay. players called him Jidge. 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 Short, short for George. George. Right, like Willie Mays, the players didn't call him Willie ever, or even Mays. His name was Duck Butt, because of the way he walked. Okay. And then that became Buck Duck, and okay. then that became Buck. So all baseball players called Willie Buck. Willie Mays, his nickname among players was Buck. But, yeah, Buck. And, or 24. And there was some sort of cockney rhyming slang yeah, exactly. that led them there. Because <laughs> they didn't call, like, what, what fans call players isn't what the players call each other. Okay. Like, I think the player, Henry Aaron, uh, was Nick, one of his nicknames was the Hammer, but he was give, I think the players called him Hammer. Okay. Um, Cobb was Peach. Nobody called Cobb Cobb. They okay. didn't call him Tyrus. Ty Cobb had a, a kind of a stentorian 19th century lawyer father who was also a state senator and a kind of Oh a, really? Yeah, a minor from, celebrity in Georgia. He came from not wealth necessarily, but mm, probably high middle class. Yeah. And um the old man detested sport and thought it was for low lifes, which it was in those days. They right. didn't let professional ball players into the nest best hotels like actors. Okay. Like oh, actors. They, they were like show folk. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, prostitute. They yes. ran with the bad crowd. They chewed. We're above them. Yeah, yeah. They, they chewed? They, they, What's that? Tobacco. Oh. oh, tobacco. They chewed, they drank, <laughs> they smoked. They right. didn't attend church on a regular basis. They were not honest, God-fearing people. Oh, well. It's always a shame. His father named him Tyrus because 
the city of Tyre was attacked by Alexander the Great under siege in the 320s BC. And he spent six months building a giant causeway out to Tyre as an island off the coast of uh, what's now Lebanon in those days, Phoenicia. And he spent like half a year sieging this place. And the people of Tyre sent boats, fire boats that filled with, in those days, what uh, the ancients used for their napalm was called naphtha or the Greek fire. It was oil. Right? right. And they'd fill a whole boil with oil and flammable combustible junk. Right. Tow it to a certain spot, set it on fire, and then push the fucker <laughs> to try out to burn up whatever boats. was going on. Okay. Yeah. So Tyre held out for like six months. They finally let the women and children, they sent them all away in boats. Right. Their whole communication was through vessels. Okay. They didn't have a, a, a bridge. Yet. Okay. So Xander, Alexander the Great, built this goddamn thing with his troops. He built a half mile, what they call a mole. Of dirt. Yeah. And in the meantime, they were sending fireboats against him. They got killed. They, you know, right. it was just this insane siege that went on forever and ever. Finally, uh, now only the men are left in the city. When they, when they finally broke through the wall with a combined naval, you know, mole attack. Right. And in those days, they built what they call, you might have heard it from medieval history, siege engines. Right. Which means giant towers on wheels that they yeah. push up to the city walls. And on the towers are platforms. And on the platforms are archers. Right. And the archers have pitch on their arrows so the arrows can be aflame. Oh, right. So everybody light their arrow on fire and shoot it over the wall, right? Right. And they would use rams, which literally in those days had a ram's head, a great big metal head. Okay. On a tree. On a right? tree trunk or and something. And then they'd put it on... You know those things that people have on their desk that swing back and forth? They go... Pendulum? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They would put it on ropes like that on a siege engine, right? Okay. And pull the fucker back and wham against the city gates. Wow. And that's where battering rams try to knock down the walls. Okay. So they were able to finally wipe out Tyre. He let the men run wild and they killed literally like 20,000, 30,000 people. The rest into slavery. And wow. Ty Cobb's named after that city. His father named him <laughs> after Tyre, Tyrus. So that, cause he admired the pluck and fortitude of the noble people of Tyre against of Tyre. Alexander, against the, Alexander Great. the Great. Wow. So Cobb wanted to be a ball player in the worst way. He was skinny and runty. And, uh, now mind you, he's from the 19th century from the South. He was wildly racist. Where, where in the South was he from? Uh, Georgia, Royston, Georgia. Okay. Which if you go to Royston, I've not been, uh, there's still stuff that he built and put there. Like he spent money on hospitals. Right. So. Uh, you know, people like to cast him as an, a thoroughgoing racist psychopath every minute of the day. But like everyone else, he lived to be 70-something. He had other moments in his life. I'm sure, I'm sure he did. It's, uh, the, the, the only impression I get, and this is from vague biographies and whatever I'm flipping channels uh-huh. or, or reading about, is that he was a genuinely arrogant fuck. To the maximum power. Yes. So when he came, his father uh, uh, was killed by his mother. He went away to really? play... Yeah. So he goes to play baseball and he finally gets a gig and he was writing letters to managers going, you should see this Ty Cobb kid. Right. He was writing them. Oh, this he is was the, writing you know, this is the turn of the century. So you could get away with that. Sure. No one had ID then. No agent. one had credit cards. Sure. You know, very few like phones. Off the grid was easy. Yeah. Dinky cars. <laughs> not, not many cars, you know, maybe send a telegraph. Uh, so he, he got a job on a, a club down south. And he was maybe 18. He was a kid. He needed his dad's permission. And, it, and his dad and him fought over it madly. And the dad went, no way on earth. And then finally relented. And apparently his last words to Ty were, do not come back a failure. Okay. So now he goes to be in his first gig. He's scared as can be. He's hitting shitty. He doesn't know what he's doing. 
and his mother's boning another guy. The dad comes home in a carriage one night, sneaks around the window, and the fucking mom shoots the dad with a shotgun, dead, blows his head off, right? Well, because they're rich and famous, a trial is conducted, and she's exonerated. Wow. So she's not even convicted of killing the old man. It's considered self-defense. She thought it was a prowler. Wow. Right? And she's 15 years older than Cobb. She's like his age, right? Yeah. She's a teen bride. Right, right. So he's close with his mother. Yeah. And like the rest of his life. So now... This is before he's in the bigs. Right. A couple years go by, he makes his way to the bigs. Now he's he goes to- 18. She's 33. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. He goes to Detroit to play. And they're a rough and tough team. Ball players in those days, like I said, chewed, had giant mustaches, and- Treated Sweet. everyone like shit. I mean, like they <laughs> right. were, y- y- there were maybe 15, 16 guys on a ball club. You maybe had four or five pitchers. Pitchers went the whole way. There wasn't a lot of substitutions. They didn't have a doctor. They had a crappy clubhouse. They didn't even have, uh, uh, what do they call it? You know, um, it's not like major league where no. they have to fly around and then they, no. they mock with the bus. They would have the a buses. bench on the field, not even a dugout and the bats okay. not even in a rock. The bats laying in front of the bench. Like right. it was crazy, right? Like right. real primitive. Crappy fields with rocks and the ball hitting would fly up in the air. <laughs> and so all the guys on the team are rough and tough. Well, he's the only southerner on the team, right? And he comes up and the Civil War's only been over 40 years. Right. Uh, and he's a die hard Confederate, right? Right. And everybody's dad was in the was in the war. Yep. Yep. So he fights every single guy on the team his rookie year. Fist fights. Personally, fist fights. Like every, gets into a punching match like with every guy. Like, what the fuck are you looking at? And right. I'm not looking at anything, you busher, busher, which is what they called. Oh, okay, because he's right? a, from a bush, bush league. Okay. So the, only the catcher on the team kicks his ass because the catcher's huge. But that's <laughs> how he started with the team. So they were never friendly. Right. He spent 22 years on the Tigers. Not beloved. Uh, the fans <laughs> loved him, but he was wicked cruel. So by the second or third year in the league, he solved it. And he's the best player in the league. Literally by the second or third year he's playing. He's he, figured it out. He's superb. Right. Like he's, I don't know who to compare him to. He, he's Barry Bonds. He's Mickey Mantle. He's whatever. He's the fastest guy in the league. He can hit the ball harder. His batting average is sometimes 400. Wow. And he's the most aggressive player ever. He comes into second base to steal a base, spikes up in your thigh, bam, right. kicking the ball out of your glove and then stomping on your feet. Right. Like that dirty all the time. All the time. Like it, there's no moment there, where he lets up. Are there fouls in baseball? Umpires aren't supposed to let stuff go crazy, but right. mind you, there was one and then two umpires then. Right. And when we were talking about with people in carriages, yeah. there was one umpire and he stood behind the mound. As soon as oh. someone got on, he was behind the plate wearing a silk hat <laughs> and a long coat. Oh, like a top hat? Or yeah. Oh. And then finally they kind of went like, well, then maybe we should have more of them. We need another guy. Right, because people were <laughs> cheating. No one ever touched second base when they were going from first to third for like a million years. <laughs> because if the umpire was looking the other way, you just scootle around behind him. Right, just sort of cut, yeah. cut some corners. Now, mind you, Cobb wasn't the only person doing this. He didn't invent dirty play. No. Famous teams in the 1890s. But he, he was really famous for it. And he carried it on in the 20th century. So he's super fast. He can bat. Yeah. What does he play on the team? Outfield. Left, left and center till he okay. blew his arm out. Okay. And um, he's unbelievably aggressive. And he didn't bat leadoff. Like now if you had the fastest guy on the team, he usually bats leadoff. In mm-hmm. those days, he batted third and fourth, which are the Clean, power right? positions. Yeah. yeah. And uh, his uh, other outfielder who played with him for about 15 years was named awesomely Wahoo Crawford. <laughs> Sam Wahoo Crawford. Because he was from Wahoo, Nebraska. Okay. Well, as mean as Cobb was and as, uh, uh, you know, pugnacious, let's just say. Sure, sure. 
Crawford was nice. So all the guys like Crawford, uh, and they didn't really speak for a lot. And they played together for 14 years and they were not the best of friends. Wow. So here's some, some Cobb stories. Uh, one time he's, uh, playing and a fan is on his ass. And on those days, they're close, real close, like Wrigley Field close. Cause Wrigley's from then. Okay. You know how close Wrigley oh, right, Field right. is. You're you, right there. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. literally, vacation, you know, they're too right, right up on you. <laughs> And so the guy was calling him, if I can say it on your show, like sure. nigger and nigger lover and shit like that, which wow. in those days, beyond, beyond to call a white person. Right. Like, there is nothing, you know, this right. is 1914, 12, whatever. Um, he, Cobb loses his shit, goes into the crowd and stomps this guy. Well, it is noticed while he's stomping the guy, the guy's been in an accident. He has no hands. And so he's a guy, beating up a dude with no hands. Yes, a hand, what we would call a handicapped, a disabled person. <laughs> Full on. Mm. Yeah. He's stomping him with his cleats, right. metal cleats. <clears throat> and people are yelling, he doesn't have any hands. And Cobb yelled, I don't care if he doesn't have any feet. <laughs> oh. uh, so the next day he's suspended. And the players decide to go on strike. It's the first strike. Uh, not the first. To get him back? In the 19th century, yeah. Because they think what the guy was yelling at him warranted him going into the stands, right? They're on his side for once in his career, the players. So the next day, they don't play. They sit in the stands. And this actually happens. The manager of the team and the two coaches who are in their 50s, the coaches are pressed into service. They're going to play. Wow. People are called onto the field. Oh, from the audience. Who's played ball before? We need someone to play this game. And they picked up a scrub team. And you, maybe that's why somebody wears like those tennis whites when they watch a game, right? Because they're just like, <laughs> they maybe, get out there. Right, right. Uh, he didn't show up. Could you be the one? Yes. And, you know? <laughs> wow. So they really picked a team out of the stands. They got brutally beaten, of course. And they were playing <laughs> a world champion Philadelphia Athletics who were very famous in those days and had like the Yankees team of today, like an insanely right, right. good team. And they beat them up. They didn't let up. In those days, you didn't let up. You know, there's no such thing as like lots of sportsmanship. Oh, right, right. They let the two coaches who were in their 50s hit home runs by letting them hit the ball and then throwing it around them until they chased them back home. So it was like 14 to 2. Well, one of the president of the American League was in the stands that day, Mm -hmm. and he was not pleased. (laughs) So he said, everyone's going to be fired. I'm firing the whole Detroit club. I'm suspending baseball, da-da-da-da. So the players were meeting in the hotel room that night, and there's a famous scene where Cobb comes in and goes, you fee simple. That was his favorite. I don't even know what that means. It's some Southern expression. You fee simple, sons of bitches. Uh, How do you spell fee? F-E-E. Okay. You fee simple. I guess meaning like you don't you're get simple. paid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't, 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 uh, lose your money on my account. Do lose, don't lose your jobs. Cause they're like, Pete, right, we're right. doing this for you. Yeah. Yeah. So they played the next day and then eventually he came back. Okay. Um, he beat up. Black clubhouse attendants on a regular basis. Uh, just, uh, he just for kicks. Pulled his gun on people. He, he was armed a good deal of the time. Fantastic. Here's the part you don't know about Cobb because he played in Detroit and his mm-hmm. first year in Detroit was what, oh, five or something. And he played till like 28. Uh, he was friends with Henry Ford. Oh. Uh, the, the guy who ran Chevrolet, Oldsmobile. Oh, because he, he came from that weird money. He hobnobbed with all these gazillionaires the new american gazillionaires right right imagine between 1905 and when he died in 1961 what happened to the automobile right right (laughs) and because he was from georgia he knew the people who started coca-cola so he took a lot of coca-cola stock Mm -hmm. from 1905 when coca-cola was an obscure soft drink to the time he died in 1961 
Wow. When Coca-Cola is the most famous product in the world. Wow. He died with a gigantic personal fortune. He was exceedingly wealthy. Right. Did he marry? Several times. And Did he breed? Yes. And not friends with any of them. Nor nope. the wives or the kids. No. His own children? His grandchildren? They want no part of him. Mm. And did everybody he was too take ratty. his money, though? I don't know what happened. I know that no one from baseball was at his funeral. There was like three people, maybe. Like, he was the most famous player in the world till Ruth. And then he didn't like Ruth very much. And they were contemporaries. Ruth mm. started in about 1415 when he's a pitcher. And um, Even Clinton went to Nixon's funeral. Yep. Holy smokes. Yep. Weird. Cobb was not beloved. Uh, and he lived in Atherton up in the Bay Area, where I'm from, uh, at the end of his life, in a big house. And uh, there's a famous story, uh, in, like in the movie, uh, the Tommy Lee Jones movie. Which one? Uh, it's called Cobb. Oh, fair and Robert Wall plays the reporter. And <laughs> okay. there was a, a, a guy wrote a book about him when he was real old, and he rolled with him for a couple of weeks. Okay. And uh, some of it might be true, some of it not. But like, he's in his 70s. He's got cancer. He's got every affliction. He's got <laughs> bottles of pills with him. He drinks bonded whiskey from a fucking bottle. He carries a piece with him, and he carries about a million dollars in annuities and shit in a paper bag everywhere they go, right? Like bearer bonds or something? Yeah. Of some sort? Just yes. in case the big one comes he's and fucking he's got to run? Right. He's insane. He's rich. Right. He gets to the house to interview him, and the lights are out. And Cobb goes, those cocksuckers at PG&E, they think I'm going to pay my bill. Well, they're all overcharging me, and I'll never pay the fucking bill. There's no electricity in his house, right? What? He would apparently burn his fan mail, right? Like, people still wrote him. He was famous. Sure. Uh, so he goes on a trip to Tahoe with him in his Cadillac, and he's drinking the whole way, and he's taking the pills, and he's got the gun. And, you know, they stop at a hotel, and someone fucks with him, and he pulls the fucking gun out and shoots him, you know, like... He's Nutbag. fucking crazy, yeah, right? Yeah. And then they're driving down the icy ass hill down from Lake Tahoe I eighty, and the story of Cobb drunk driving down the hill and not a million miles an hour he can't see, right? You know, right? He could be going thirty, but if he's drunk and he can't see, I'm terrified. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. I know it's pretty fun. Right, you, know, you interrupted yourself on the on the Babe Ruth. Um, the Babe Ruth uh, priest story. Oh, right. The so the priest puts the him in the ball team. game. I hope your people are still listening at this point. I'm not oh being God. very funny, but. Uh, no, no. No, this is, uh, this is the place where people come to hear too much information about the one thing. Right. So Jiz is, at, Jiz is at shortstop and, uh, uh, or I, yeah, I guess he's at short and, and the team's, uh, the pitcher's getting beat pretty bad and he's razzing him. Because uh, in those days, lots of chatter. They don't chatter so much now. But you remember when we were little, you were supposed even to chatter. Then, even even in Little League, it was, hey, better, better. Right, and always. you can't do it anymore. Always. And yeah. in those days, constant chatter. Everybody talked and all the time. And not, hey, better, better. It was, oh, hey, yeah. you're short and ugly yeah, and I yeah, slept yeah, with yeah. your sister or whatever. Well, Root's nickname in the big leagues for the whole time he played, and he played for 22 years, was Nigger Lips. Because wow. he had big lips, and it was impugned against him that he was black all the time. Black fans loved him because they thought he might be black. He might have been. Might well, have been. He's German, but he had big, thick lips. Uh, there's Germans. Remember that guy who played uh, the Nazi in Indiana Jones? Of course, he had giant large, thick lips. He had giant thick yeah. lips. Maybe Major, General Burkhalter. No, oh, General <laughs> oh, Hogan. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I'm sorry to say it so much, but this is America, and America's like this, and that's what racism is. And so he was always being hammered for that, and then um, you know, and an ape, and all that. Right. Jazz. Right. So the, the priest goes, well, George, you, you seem to be pretty smarty boots. Why don't you pitch? And then in his, in, in, you know, his biography, the one Ruth authorized someone to write. Yeah. His Christ, his ghostwriter, Christy Walsh wrote it. Um, telling the fabulous story by his point of view. Right. Said, yes. once I got that ball in my hand, I knew that I could be a pitcher. <sighs> so he strikes out the team, da, da, da. He's such a great teenage player for this industrial prison school that he becomes <laughs> famous in Baltimore. Right. And a guy who owns the minor league team, which was called the Orioles then, mm -hmm. uh, hires him. 
and his name's Jack Dunn, and he takes him to camp, and he's 17, they have to sign, the priest sign, his parents don't even sign. Oh, right. His parents never came to visit him, like, all the kids' parents have come to see them on the weekend, or at yeah, Easter, yeah. or whatever, and he's Catholic, serious Catholic. His parents came a couple, maybe a couple times the whole time he was in prison, or right. at boys' school. Right. And he would say, I guess I'm too ugly for anyone to love. Oh, my God. Right? So, so he had some real issues. real complex about authority, about family, about connections, about love, about... Oh, right, right. So... He's an animal, right? He doesn't have a lot of manners. Right. He's never been anywhere other than to other schools to play ball because he's got to be back in the school at night, right? right? They don't let you go out and party and no. drink like he did when he was a kid. Right, <laughs> right. So they gets to go to camp. The guy has to sign a thing saying, I'll be his guardian, right? right. Jack Dunn. So they take him to camp. He's eating pancakes by the stack, right? Every he's breakfast, like, for the he's first time ever, he gets team. to, right. yeah. Whatever he wants, right? Right. He's running. He's crazy. There's a there's an elevator at the hotel. He's never been on an elevator. Right. He's going up and down in the elevator playing with the thing. In those days, you ran it with a crank, you know? Oh, yeah. So he's sticking his head out, and he almost gets his head chopped off right when the door's closed. <sighs> so they go, who's this babe in the woods? And then he became Jack Dunn's babe, and then babe. Oh, okay. That's course. how that happened. Right. And then, of course, the... Press picks it up, and then he was the Bambino forever. Oh, right. He had more nicknames than any player ever, right? Okay. He was the Bambino, awesomely the Sultan of Swat, and even better, <laughs> the Slam Bambino. And then my favorite one, the Maharaja of Mash. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. India is addressed. Yeah. So and, he, uh... <laughs> he was a pitcher the first few years, and he argued with the umps, and he was a great pitcher. He was the best left-hander in the American League. Well, they found out when he was batting, every time he batted, that he swung from the heels, Big time. And he even tried to pump that ball. In those days, the Cobb style was to try to put the ball in play down the line in between the ba- in between the fielders. Just get it out there, hit a line drive, try to get it to the wall and run, run, run. Right. Ruth was so powerful. He was six foot one, one eighty five. Okay. Trim. Yeah, yeah. And, and not fat and, and uh, because right, right. he'd been in industrial school for fucking you know. 10 right, years. right. And not being well fed, just you yeah. just a dude. He yeah. could crush the ball. And uh, jo- Shoeless Joe Jackson, the famous one who is in the movies and, right. and the the 1919 Black Sox and everything, was also a power hitter and a famous player then. He, Ruth said he copied his swing. So if you see Ruth's swing, and a lot of people, you'll see it on a postage stamp or in the, in the newsreels. Yeah. When Ruth finishes swinging, unlike almost every ball player ever, first of all, he steps toward the ball, sometimes two steps. You'll see him step, cross step toward the ball from the little batter's box. When he finishes swinging, kaboom, his bat goes straight up. If you see the postage yeah, stamp yeah. of Ruth or in a watch the oh, yeah, in yeah. Israel, hit, you know He's how much players swinging. the bat's down? Yeah, the bat's down. He is a straight up. That's yeah. how he finished. What does that mean? It's the way Jackson swung. Okay. Jackson was a, a power hitting left-hander. Okay. And so Ruth would swing through the ball and then rather than throw the hand out, he right. went zoop it like that. Right. And so... Then and he, he became, was so powerful, he could hit the damn thing out of the park. Right. Is that what it was? They started yeah. to discover it when he was a pitcher. So the last year on the Sox, he only pitched sometimes. And he played the outfield the rest of the time because he had a superb arm, obviously. Right. So then, famously, he was traded to the Yankees by the, you know, the curse of the Bambino and all that oh, right, jazz. Right. Yeah, they yeah. say it was because the owner of the Sox wanted to fund the show. No, 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 no. That's a, <laughs> it's a good story. I don't right, know if right. it's altogether true. Sure. So he went to New York. Now... He's nailing chicks everywhere, right? Right. He gets married when he's in Boston. Well, he kind of forgets about that wife when he gets to New York. (laughs) And she goes off and sort of lives with another guy. While he's on the Yankees, the ex-wife, she's not even ex. They haven't been divorced. He's Catholic. And nobody in those days. Right, right. uh, Her husband's down. And she dies. And the papers catch it. 
Um, who's this woman that's Mrs. Ruth that's living with another guy? Were you married to her? You know, we remember her when she was the demure little girl yeah, with the yeah. Gibson girl hat on in the, when you lived in Boston. Wow. So he, you know, she was driven crazy by his philandering and shit. Uh, but and he then was, she did pass away. Yeah, she was killed and he went to the funeral and he cried. He was like a child, right? His emotions were completely on the surface. If he was right. angry, he was furious. If he was hungry, he ate everything. If he wanted to get laid, he fucked ten chicks. Wow. If he, he smoked cigars and cigarettes and pipes. Uh, uh, he drank beer, fucking dozens Probably of bottles of beer. Gallon. During the game, send the bat boy out. Give me, give me five hot dogs. Wow. Eat it during the game on the bench. <laughs> and then go back out and play, right? Yeah. Five soda pops. Uh, let's go. Wow. That's, that's why he got so fat, right? Right, right. Because he was just an incontestable fucking id monster, right? Right, right. They had a phone in the Yankees clubhouse in the 20s. This is New York in the 20s. They built the ballpark for him, the one, the house that Ruth built. Yeah. Because he was so famous, they were sharing a park in the polo grounds in Harlem. Okay. Well, that's why uh, uh, across the Harlem River is where Yankee Stadium is. Right still, they, you right. know, they built the new one, but it's in the Bronx. Yep. But if you're in the end of Harlem... It's right across the river. So they built it literally so you could see the two ballparks. Okay. And they built it for Ruth because he was so famous and they wanted to oh, build wow. a big park for him. Yeah, yeah. They built in like six months in those days. Boom, the thing goes up. And so he's the first person to hit a home run there. There's a phone in the clubhouse and he would call broads, tomatoes, yes. <laughs> doxies, <laughs> sure, sure. dames, mice. The ladies. The ladies. Yeah. And it was, uh, you've got to, I, I, I'm not going out with you unless you, you're going to. Right. right. You had to for right. Ruth to go out oh. with you, right? He's, he doesn't have the, any time. He doesn't yeah. have any time for no, no. any sort no, of no emotional. Niceties. Let's, yeah, yeah. And they were chatting. <laughs> so he, that was his gig. And he would show up late for the game, drove his manager crazy. Absolutely wow. crazy. He had a tiny little manager named Miller Huggins, Hugsy. Hugsy. And Hugsy was 5'5". Five, five, right. And he played uh, old time ball at the turn of the century. Okay. And the and forever finding Ruth. Ruth, God damn it! Why aren't you here an hour before to take batting practice like everybody else? Fuck you, Hugsy. You know. <laughs> yeah. And then famously on a train trip, they had a huge knockdown fight on the train together because Hugsy wasn't afraid of him. And right. He was huge. Right. Right. Um, he held him off the back of the train by his ankles. A running train. Babe Ruth held <laughs> the Hugsy manager off, off the back of a train. Yeah. So. Then ah. comes a big year, and he really fucks up. He has a big fight. He's unhealthy. Uh, he's fighting with the umps. He's fined and suspended by the manager. He shows up late one too many times, and, and the manager this, goes, like, end of the 20s sit or? the fu- middle of the 20s, and okay. he's at the height of his fame. You're sitting, Ruth. And Ruth goes, fuck you. And he's like, no, fuck you. I'm the manager. <laughs> the owners back him up, and he sits. So, of course, after a couple of days of sitting, he goes back, hugs. I'm so sorry, man. Yeah. And he shakes his hand. He's like, like I say, he, his emotions are. Yeah, he's just a, he's a, a kid. Yeah. Overgrown. Oh, overgrown. So they got along to a point. There's famous pictures of them sitting about two seats away from each other in the dugout, <laughs> glaring at each, glowering, as we would say in yes. those days, mm-hmm. glowering at one another. Hugsy got sick and died. Ruth wanted to be a manager. They wouldn't let him. And the owner said, how can you manage a team when you can't even manage yourself? You know what? Uh, I think that that guy was right. In uh, a sense. He, he would have been a, a terrible manager. Probably. Later, maybe, when he matured. So then he met another girl named Claire Hodgson. And uh, she was a socialite, good-looking chick around town. Now this is the flapper era. So she's got the that you know the little wrap that you wear, the fox wrap, and right, the little right. cloche hat, and the, and the short skirt, and the, and the heels. And the whole, right, yeah. and those little pumps and everything. Yeah. And she's good-looking and been around town. Right. So she tames him. Uh 
the she's like, look, you're a mess. There's <laughs> in his apartment in, in Manhattan. There's a drawer full of checks. He doesn't know where they've come from. He's endorsed everything. He signed a million deals. He's endorsing <coughs> cigarettes, soda pop, candy bars. <laughs> collar stays. Men had to wear collars in those right. days. The Baby Ruth him? The, the Babe Ruth bar, they always said was named after Grover Cleveland. I mean, uh, the, 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 the president's daughter, whose name was Ruth. Bullshit. It came out in the, when Ruth was famous. Okay. It was named after Babe Ruth. Right, right. And then why would it be called Hooters the Babe Ruth about, bar? Uh, owl, uh, owls. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, Hooters is about the wonderful woodless creatures <laughs> in the dark forest. Yes. So he got a manager and she brought in a guy and, and he cleaned up his affairs. And his, his orders to his uh, assistants in the twenties were don't open any letters, letters unless they got a check or they're from Brad's. <laughs> like, like what, was, what else does, do people get? Bills? He got bags of mail. He probably right. got more mail than any person in the world. This right. is the 20s, right? Right, right. So they go to England and they play an exhibition and um, King Edward is there and he famously walks up to him uh, and it's hot. And he says, uh, hot as hell today, ain't it, King? King. Oh, King. Yeah, he King. calls him King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, <laughs> the awesome famous story is, it's the depression now. This, they've already had the, the crash, 29, now right. it's 30. He got $80,000. No income tax then, right? $80,000, which is, it would be the equivalent of many millions. Now. Right, right. And, uh, he signs the deal and the owner says to him while they're signing, you didn't make as much as the president, Herbert Hoover. Right. And Ruth goes, I had a better year than the president. Because <laughs> it's the first year of the Depression. Yes, yes. Uh, and then all the players never resented him for the- making so much money because it raised their pay. Okay. They actually were able to negotiate a little more simply because Ruth was getting this giant fee. Right. And they didn't hate him like they hated Cobb. He didn't even know the names of everyone on his team. Everyone to him was Kid or Meathead. Wow. And it wasn't Kid, it was Keed. Oh. K-E-E-D. Keed. Hey, Keed. He knew Keed. the names of like four or five guys. He knew Gehrig and he knew Dugan and a few other guys he drank with Hoyt and whatnot. Right, right. But everyone else was Kid or Meathead. Wow. Have you been to, have you been to a lot of the, have you been to a lot of the, 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 the stadiums? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you ever see live? Do you ever go to, go to live? Oh, all the time. But I haven't been to that many and I didn't go to any of the old ones. Tiger I drove by. Wrigley I've been to. Yankee I've been to. Uh, all the ones in California on the West Coast. County Stadium. Have you been to Milwaukee? No, I've never Stadium. been to Milwaukee. And, uh, you've never been to Milwaukee? No. Isn't oh. that wild? Oh, I've been to Milwaukee, but I didn't go to the stadium, so. Oh, okay, because now it's Miller Park. But, yeah, now uh, it's Miller. And, and it, I, they can call it whatever they want. They can call it Kleenex Park or whatever they yeah. want to call it. But, uh, the County Stadium was actually a really fun, because I was in Little League when I was a kid. Did they take you there for games? Every, every year. Yeah. And, and so we never watched the games, obviously, because no. all we did was have water fights and, and, eat you know, candy. Eat candy and sneak beer and, you know, it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, I like, because the the exper- the outdoor experience of seeing live baseball, the best one I ever did was I uh, was on Cape Cod, and I saw professional. It was, I don't think it was a ball. I think it was. Uh, it might it might have been right. some leagues. farm club, right? But they were amazing baseball players. Yeah, playing on a little league, like. You were, you, I might as well have been sitting in a carriage. Right, right. Yeah. So dinky and so small. And the pay they get is nothing. Right. They and really do ride buses and eat burgers. I mean, they right. don't I get what like big leaguers get. It's like $25,000 a year or yeah. something like you that. You can't right? live on it. Yeah. And some of them are married and you see all their wives sitting over on the side with their kids and stuff and you're right. like, oh no. No, no. Yeah, uh, yeah. What did you do? What if Join you the don't army? make it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, and then the old time ball players are the coaches and the managers. You often see guys from the big. Oh, right. That's where they have to go. Right. When they're done with their careers. Right. They go back to these crappy. It's like the 
wrestler. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yes. You're 55 years old. and you're- There's a certain meritocracy, not in show business, I wouldn't say, but in comedy, let's say. Yeah. Because comedy is analogous to baseball in two ways. And because everything with me is an analogy with baseball. Sure. One, we play every day. So people go to you, oh, don't you get nervous? And you think, no, because I know what I want to do up there. Right, right. It's not a Ball surprise. players don't get nervous. They yeah. want to go up and play. Right. Uh, and what about tonight? You sucked. I'm playing tomorrow. Right. And you know what? Fi- the only thing that fixes a bad set? A good set. A good set. You know what doesn't fix a bad set? A good day. No. Who cares? Who no, gives no. a shit? A good day? No. No. A- another set that Another night. set that works. So, you, but the, and that's how ball players like, you have a Is shit that day. That's what they think. Well, okay. Yeah, because tomorrow I'm going to go out there and hit the ball. Right. And then that's what we think. We go, tonight I really sucked and the crowd hated me, but tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to solve this. Right, right. Thank God there's another show tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. So we play, you know, people say to me, I know you get tired of comedy. I'm like, we play every day. Every day. Yeah. We yeah. play every day. And that's what ball players do. And uh, I mean, I haven't even gotten into the Negro Leagues, which is where all the color and excitement is, but I, I've is rambled it... on for an hour about Right, right. You have rambled on for an hour. It's, we're at like 55 minutes, which is awesome. Uh-oh. And it was straight. And we didn't even get into Rome. You did a little bit about, uh, ty- you know, tire. Oh, well, I could talk about Alexander the Great until the, until the cows come, come home. home. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Did you take, did you take Latin in school? No. Did you, um, is it just sort of, what made you go for Rome? I don't know. I just studied it on my own. It's just fascinating to me. It's, but I mean, like some people, I like some of my husband's friends really like uh, the Celts, right? And they're on board, and they want to know all about yeah, the, yeah. the it's Scots. All about Celts. Yeah, the Scots and the Celts, and they they hobby wear kilts, and uh, uh, and you're like, oh, okay, right? Um, are you Scottish? Any ancestry there? And like, nope. No, I just right. love the idea of wearing a skirt, and you're like, okay, well, own it, brother. <laughs> well, they're, apparently, they're breezy and comfortable. Uh, yes, and and everything everything gets to sort of live down there, and it's well, uh, the lovely. Celts are famously, you know, they're around in the Roman days. They're one right. of the few races that. And they were considered giant and tall. Oh, compared to the Italians or the, yeah. whoever yeah, the Romans Yeah, the Italians were. were diminutive compared to the Celts. The Celts were always scary to them. Right, right. Because they're big and rough. Yeah. it's uh, And they went everywhere, right? Not just they're in Scotland, you know, the Ireland, down to Spain. There's Celts all over Europe. You oh, that's know, right. Because they it kind of never... invaded everywhere. Yeah, yeah, they were all over France. That's why they? you find bagpipes in Spain. You find bagpipes in the Arab countries. Like, they got around town. So you you see people play the pipes in the weirdest places when you think it's really a Celtic thing. Right. And I'll tell you something about bagpipes. Uh, to my knowledge, the bagpipe is supposed to announce something across a great distance. <laughs> Someone who hires a bagpiper to play in an enclosed space yeah. has got some issues. No. 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 Send him outside. Loud. It's too loud. Leave the door open. And I mean loud. <laughs> it's super loud. It's really loud. It's too Freaking loud. Anyway, yeah. so uh, I would like to have you on, and then we will talk. Uh, we could, talk, I mean, we could talk about the Negro Leagues if you like. I mean, w- were they just more interesting people, or were they just more of the same? But but they were all happened to be Negro. Well, because of the oppression, right? That they weren't right. allowed to play in the big leagues. There and and Jim Crow in this country. Right. Uh, black people lived in a parallel society. Right. Um, they participated Separate, in the white but world, not particularly right. equal. Uh, uh, the only the strongest union for black people in those days was the Pullman Porter Union, because all the guys who ran the trains were black, oh, the porters, right? right? right. Um, and women were maids, you know. I mean, not all of them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to rewrite history here. But what I am saying is, in black world, the entrepreneurs of black world put the Negro Leagues together. And often they were gangsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, famously, a couple of were numbers runners. There were others that were legitimate. And right. there were white owners of black teams, famously okay. as well. And um, But it was much more of a... Uh, I, I wouldn't say disorganized. It was a quite organized league, right. but they had to play more games to make the same kind of money. 
Oh, they had to work harder. They had to barnstorm. Right. So they'd play two or three games in a day. And then on the weekend, the white owners would rent them the big ballparks. So Griffith Stadium in Washington, which held 50,000 people, Yankee Stadium in New York. Mm -hmm. On a Sunday, when the Yanks were out of town, the black guys got to play. And now there's 40,000 black people at a game. Wow. Right? And white yeah. people too. White people could come. Blacks had to sit in the stands on the, in the bleachers and stuff largely at the old time parks. Right. Not so much in the Northeast, but like what was called the South in those days, because baseball didn't come West till the fifties. Mm-hmm. St. Louis, Cincy. Was- those right. were the kind of rednecky towns, and those were those were the southernmost. Well, team Missouri kind of, was a border state, as you know, and right, hotly right. contested. Right, and Cincinnati is very <laughs> south of, of Cincinnati, quite close to Kentucky. Yeah, yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they played all over the country, and they played all over, and uh, famously barnstormed. And they're the, the first great international players. They played in Central America. They played in South America because those people didn't care. They were black. There was no. already blacks there. They didn't care. Right. They just wanted ball players. They just that were wanted great. to see some baseball. Some of them made more money than the white players, notably Satchel Paige. Uh, but they lived in the shadow of white ball, and they always wanted to play. Right. And finally, when the color line got broken, it ruined the Negro leagues because within a few years, black people didn't want to go see. Just black, the black teams anymore. They want to see him play the white people. Right. Did you ever see that uh, that that uh, white man's burden? That no. movie with uh, uh, John Travolta, where he's oh, right. it's a white man in a black man's world. No, no. It's a it's a it's a, it's a bit of an eye opener. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one note. Right. Uh, but it's a great note, and it mm-hmm. and it was it was an eye opener for me just because he's a white man and his son is a, a white child, and you watch him do a couple of things. You watch him watch television, mm-hmm. and he's flipping channels, and he's flipping channels, and everybody's black on TV, and yeah. then there's a white. Uh, there's a white sitcom on and he stops and he looks at it for a second and you can tell that it sucks. Yeah. You can tell that it's like early, you know, it's lower budget. Uh-huh. It doesn't have the, it doesn't have the background. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't have the money behind it to make it look like friends. Yeah. So he just, he waits for a second. Then he's like, mm, not good enough. And next, yeah. and then, and he wants a, an action figure. And John Travolta tries to talk him into getting one of the white action figures, and he's like, "That guy doesn't have any real powers. He's lame. I right. want one of the black action heroes because that's where the yeah. that's where the real power is." It was it was fat. I mean, racism is fascinating. Well, it's like sexism. I mean, all those movies where men switch bodies with women and then find out what a joy and and uh, a, a a delight it is to be a woman in this world. I know it. It's interesting. You know, there's the and I've said it before on on this podcast is that is is what. Some of the guys that I know who who aren't feminists, who yeah. don't really get it, what they don't, they're like, well, my life isn't a treat and nobody's handing me $20 bills right. under the table. And you're like, yeah, but what you don't understand is that you you don't have the same disads. You know, no. there are not the disadvantages no. of going into a 7-Eleven and having someone watch you for sure. Yeah. Or you can't walk around at two in the morning no. without thinking a little more defensively. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are the disadvantages of... You can't being, go on the road, get drunk, stay out with the whole thing, and then, hey, I'm going to go. And, I hope mm, it... Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's a... Uh, or what if you have to stay in a condo with other male comics and yeah, stuff? Yeah, they're hilarious, and there's no lock on the door, and no. they want to wake you up at two in the morning and and, uh, yeah. and and be all drunk, and, and, and they think it's hilarious. Yeah. And you're like, ah, I'm bored. I'm bored with your yeah. hilarity, and please don't kill me. And if you exert yourself, you're... Uh, you're, you're always a bitch. Yeah. You're always a giant bitch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I actually... Uh, <laughs> I said to the, because I don't like the word, I would actually prefer to be called a cunt than a bitch, because I have no idea what the word cunt means. No, me neither. And, uh, but I know exactly what people mean when yeah. they call me a bitch. They mean that I'm a mean-spirited, um, angry person. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I don't want to be that. So if you call me that, I'm like, yeah, I'm 
I'm a king. I because I'm not. I'm not never mean spirited or angry. Right. So I am occasionally bitchy. Uh, but I so don't. Is everyone. Right. That's my whole. You know. Well, that was my defense for like. I, I'm not a big Michelle Bachman or Sarah Palin person. But when Sarah Palin uh, first appeared on the scene, and and I grant you, she's underqualified and you know fairly not. I don't my, think she's part of the solution. No. That's not, all. Right. There yes. you go. But the vitriol poured on her. Uh, was extraordinary and I found myself defending her on stage to people because I thought don't just unload on her because she's a bitch. You yeah, disagree with that's her. That's not enough. And she made the, 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 the ultimate crime of being a woman. One, as you know, to get older and two, to be attractive. Well, she's, yeah, I mean, she's a super fox 45 year old yeah. woman, right? Yeah. So that's fine. My problem with both of those guys is that because I am, this podcast is a is a running commentary of the things that I don't know. <laughs> uh, there are libraries full of things that I don't know. And they won't admit that they're wrong. You know, they always oh, no. have to spin it that, you know, they meant to say something. Oh, well, politically, they're kind of insupportable. But I do yeah. believe that they suffer from sexism as much as anyone else. They do. And that they, she was really, really... But they're also really being used. Very in, much so. Sexism-wise. Uh, and this is the, di- the, the... Or whatever the... I was going to say dichotomy, but the, the, the duality, whatever the word is, of... of being a woman, Hillary ran, and it was such a strong race, and everybody realized she could win, and da 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 da. That kicked the door open for the Republicans to stick right. their woman in. Oh my God, we're going to do it now. Right, right. So at the same time as using her, she is kicking down a door. Right. Not that the door wasn't already kicked down, but look how famous Sarah Palin is. Yeah. There's not a person in this country, I would wager in the world, uh, the most famous politicians are uh, Hillary, Barack, and her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's an Just, extraordinary accomplishment for someone who's not particularly great at their job, you know. No, she and doesn't really want to work Mm-mm. very much. Just wants she, to talk and write she books just wants and self-aggrandize. Chat and hang out and yeah. and, uh, and have. But she, she's being allowed to do, if I can go sure. even further, what men always get to do, which is be underqualified, fucking <laughs> yes. bilious dunderheads who don't put any fucking work into anything. Right. Um, you may remember our last president. So I'm there's people who are as underqualified and stupid as Sarah Palin, uh, but she gets extra vitriol heaped on her. Right. In my opinion, that men do not. Get. I wish Obama would send us all three hundred dollars for no reason. Me too. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, she's <laughs> just yeah. They're um, my thing is she is doing that. I, I do believe that they're all doing that. They're all making it possible for more qualified people Absolutely. To, to, to move forward. And but it's it's so the transparency of we're gonna find gay, black, women, short, mm-hmm. handicapped, you know, some soldier, you know, yeah. some some poor bastard who isn't good at what they do yeah. as a human being. And then but they happen to look a certain way and we're gonna right. we're gonna somehow prop them up and it's gonna all work out. Well the disappointing part from you know I'm a poisoned liberal, but is, is that, uh, it's the same thing that disappoints me about Obama. When Obama says his views on gay marriage are evolving, it makes me want to go, really? How about my views on whether black people should marry white people? Is that still get to evolve that, too? Or is that, is that going to take another couple of right. years? Right. Do I yeah. get to, do I get to cogitate on that more? Right. And then like with Sarah Palin, you think she's real kind of homophobic. Yeah. And you think, don't you understand as a woman? Yeah, everything you nervous. had to go through. Yeah. So they're, everybody's, they're, they're such politicians that they're twitchy about anything. No. It, I wouldn't, you know, and the thing, I actually think that Barack Obama has been shoveling sand against the tide mm-hmm. for three years and he's done some good. I gen, and, and I definitely think he hasn't done bad. 
It's not, I don't think that if, let's say George W. Bush had a third, you know, <sighs> I'm saying that the Republican, John McCain and Sarah Palin, if they would have won, it would be even worse. Yeah, I probably. I do believe that. Well, and, he's being obstructed at every turn. I disapprove of, you know, starting a war with Libya. I don't follow that one. Yeah, I'm and a huge. keeping the Patriot Act going and all that jazz. Right. I, I, but the bills were already there before he got there. Right. This he, whole he, debt ceiling thing is a load of shite. Oh, Christ, I'm a cracker. <laughs> I am a huge fan of, I'm a huge fan of one-term presidents. Uh, yeah, I, get it I, done, I'd be like, right? just do it. Screw you. I'm in. Uh, that kind of thing. Just start signing things. Truman, that's how Truman desegregated the army. Yes, he did. He just signed it. Yes, he did. And yeah. I, I always go back to that one because Clinton wouldn't, right? He didn't sign the Don't yeah. Ask, Don't Tell. And if he had done it, it th then it would be how many years now? It'd Almost be 20, 20 years later. Yeah. And no one would care now. And no one would give a damn. Yeah. It wouldn't even that's be. That's how that works. I was just talking last episode. You ever watch Torchwood? No. Uh, Torchwood. I see the poster everywhere. Uh, yeah, that, there's a new one out, but I'm watching the old one to try to catch, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's, uh, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, there's a lot of, um, girl on, you know, there's a lot more girl on girl kissing now on television. Hello. And Torchwood has a lot of guy on guy kissing. How about that? How about that? That took a while. It took a while, but the thing, and, and initially, like the first probably even seven or nine episodes, I'd be like, what's happening? Mm -hmm. And now we're, I'm 19, 20 episodes in and I'm like, Oh, okay. Jack's going to kiss somebody. Yeah, you don't care. Shit. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't, I'm like, it doesn't even necessarily drive the plot forward. All they're doing, it's sort of like, uh, seeing, you know, dead bodies and bones or CSI. Right. It's I'm salacious. Like, yeah. I'm just like, oh, that's what that right, would look like. You don't care like. anymore. It, I don't care. You become I mean, a nerd. The, do you remember on Melrose Place, there was a gay couple oh, and yeah. they never let him kiss? Yeah. They only hugged warmly all the yes, time. Yes, they're constantly. And now, of course, hands. if they were, they would kiss. Right. Right. So barriers get broken. <laughs> and this is my argument always with everybody. And I've repeated it so many times it's probably tedious but the people who don't want gay marriage the people who don't want legalized marijuana the people who don't want women to have health care and access to abortion and things like that history is going to bury you right i'm sorry to be a dick about it but you can stamp your feet and rub your little fists into your hips and march all you like and wear a tea bag on your hat and shit right. but the tide of history is going to overwhelm you if you told me in 1968 when i was a little kid when nixon was president that we were going to have a black president a woman secretary of state, women Supreme Court justices, right. that women were going to run for president on both sides. Mm -hmm. There's going to be... That uh, wasn't that long ago. It was 40 years ago. You right. Know? There, and, and Saudi Arabia, women will drive. Women so are driving sad. now. Right. It's and, awesome. And right. that's going to happen. Then they have to knuckle under because they know they're this close to being overthrown like Egypt or Tunisia. Right. And well, and, the, and, and I read some article by a Saudi Arabian guy who's like, do you want to drive them to work? Because they're the only ones who show up for work. Yeah. The guys don't want to show up for work because no. they have a giant bag of money. The women want to get out of the house. They want to go to work. Yeah. You don't want to drive them. So freaking just let them drive. And that's, I mean, that's a sign of the end when some Saudi Arabian dude is writing that in the paper. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the king, angry. Mm -hmm. But he's got someone to drive him around. Kings oh, yeah. aren't allowed to drive, it turns out. Well, no. I mean, maybe on their own if they want to, but no, they get yeah. driven around. So Proopcast, that's what it's called, right? Uh, the smartest man in the world. Smartest man in the world. That's it. I if like you go Proopcast, to Proop, thank you. If you go to Proopcast on the the interwebs, right? That, you can click and you on that. You always do it live. You always do it live, yeah. and it's you just sit there and essentially rant. Pretty but whatever much, yeah. you're enjoying, you're, whatever you're working on, essentially, stand-up wise, probably. Uh, the, the problem, Jackie, is I haven't caught up to myself. I don't, I don't <laughs> listen. I listen to them once after I do them, but I forget to take notes, and then I realize I have all this material and all these oh, right. podcasts that I could be using on stage. So I kind of have to go back and do some research and listen to a bunch of shit. Oh, you should get an intern. I know. Uh, so <laughs> I know. Uh, I really do need an intern. Yeah, it's uh, Fitzsimmons I, has one. 
Everybody has one. I, I don't have one. I don't need an intern. Don't need either. I'm a one man band. Just, it's a. It's fine. People are lovely. Yeah, it's whatever I'm thinking about in the week. It's great, and then uh, and then you're always on the road, right? You do road. I'm always on the road. I'm in okay. Montreal, and then I'm in. Uh, We're doing that show in Montreal together yeah. next week. A little set list. Yeah. Uh, you know, what? I will say this about you know I did two set lists, and then I did a set. I did a regular show. Mm-hmm. Did not write a set. Uh, tried to go milk in the goodwill of the audience, like set list uh-huh. allows you to. Ate it hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, horrible, luckily, isn't it? It was. So irritating. I have to do a set tonight, and yeah. I'm like, oh shit, because I've only been doing the set list. Yeah, yeah. You and I'm like, I, 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 you want to come out there? Man. I'm going to wing it, you guys. Here we go. Who's <laughs> with me? And you're like, they're like, could you, do you have jokes? Right. You have I'm jokes, right? I'm pretty sure you have jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yes. You're billed as a comedian. Yes. So the first night, I ate it. The second, I, luckily, yeah. I had three sets in a row. Yeah. And so Tuesday, ate it. Wednesday, did better. Yeah. And by Thursday, it was back to destroying. It's hard to be me. Yeah. Anyway. So, so are you trying to incorporate some of the set list motif into your own? I have, I've picked up a couple of, uh, there was, uh, I got previous relationship on one of my set lists. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it occurred to me that uh, I had never had a previous relationship before. And all of my previous relationships were unrequited love do you know what that is comedy gold yeah yeah that's a good Hell premise yeah right there it's just like it and it's just like a regular regular relationship as far as i can consider uh essentially i have a crush on you for three years right you don't know that i exist uh-huh. i eventually come to believe uh understand that and then it becomes like a regular breakup where you cry and listen to music <laughs> right? but, but the other person has no idea this is even no, no, taking no, place it's completely yeah. it's completely without their consent knowledge or anything <laughs> and luckily very little stalking me just liking them from afar for the thousand years prior to me finding my husband so did have you gotten anything oh i again I, i'm so undisciplined i've had some great topics and no i haven't remembered a thing i've said oh. i did one the other night at flappers and i got a really good one about creepy room layout or something and i yeah. remember this story of uh, seeing this going to visit a house here in la looking at homes you know by and it it clearly had a dungeon with like where the cameras went and oh my God. there was like Oh like a sex dungeon? The, yeah. And my wife and I looked at Ugh. each other and we're like <laughs> and the, the real estate agent wouldn't leave the kitchen. You know how they usually yeah. take you around and yeah. well there's loads of room down here and this is a fixer upper. She fucking was like this, just rigid in the kitchen because oh. she knew what was going on down. And yeah. there were monitors and like where the cameras used to be and shit. And my wife and I looked at each other. And then the next guy pulling up, we leave we're like, thank you. And she's like, goodbye. <laughs> she's like, couldn't be more fucked off that she's right. got this yeah. piece of property. The next guy, a, a, a limousine pulls up and all these like loose 29 year old kind of heroined out dudes get out. And our star, the one who's looking at the home, right? Uh, the woman, his real estate agent who's brought him here looks like a porn star and might have been right. giant, giant fake breasts, right. the lips, the blonde hair, short skirt, dressed wildly and appropriately for, to and show super a house. Tight. Yeah. yeah, to show a house. To show a house. He gets out, no shirt, pajama bottoms, bathrobe, backward baseball hat. And my wife and I looked at each other and went, we've got a buyer. <laughs> And wow, I thought, can I do that on stage? Is yeah. that enough of a joke yeah. to do on stage? I think there's definitely. It really there's, happened, but and, it was like. And there's so much there. Yeah. There's, I mean, the thing is, is that'll create, the punchlines will come out of your ears. Uh, as, right. as I think everybody said I had a black bathtub and there's a black bathtub in the home. Black and I'm like, bathtub. there's one thing I can't abide. It's black fixtures. <laughs> Like maybe you'd like to sit in the infinite tub where you feel like you're being drawn down at all times towards Satan's minions or whatever. Right, and then and then it's all. Have you ever been in one of those planetariums where you can walk in that box and it's all tiny points of light? It looks like you're in space. It's horrible. Yeah, it's disorienting. It's incredibly disorienting. I want that bathtub, and then I want to drown myself in it. Right, that's how I want to die. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
Greg Proops, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you, Jackie. We've done an hour and 94 minute show. Exactly. It'll be fantastic. And, uh, and I will edit out all of my ums. So uh, thanks for listening, American public. You've done vital work. Good night. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?